0: Welcome back to the Biased Opinion Sports Podcast. I'm here with PJ, a few days out uh, from the Super Bowl. Uh, We're going to do a little Super Bowl preview for you. Uh, We're going to talk big college football, uh, coaching carousel, uh, big hiring college football, Uh, the the greatest of all time, just retired. So we'll we'll talk a little Tom Brady, and then uh, we're going to close with the show with some NBA chatter. Uh, So PJ, get us started.
1: Yeah, Super Bowl on Sunday, the uh, Kansas City Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles going at it. Vegas has it as a close spread with the Eagles favored by one and a half. You have Andy Reid coaching against uh, his former team. And one of the things that interests me about the Eagles is that I think they won the Super Bowl like five or six years ago, and now they're back in the Super Bowl again with a completely new head coach and a completely new quarterback. So I think that's kind of interesting, like how many teams go back to the Super Bowl Five years later, with a new head coach and a and a new quarterback, I think the last time it was a new head coach, probably the Steelers, uh, when I think Ben Roethlisberger won two Super Bowls with two different head coaches. You don't see it uh, very often. Usually, when teams get new head coaches and new quarterbacks, it takes a while to kind of build around them. So I think that's kind of interesting. But I'm gonna go with the uh, Kansas City Chiefs to win this game. I think it's because I kind of know what to expect more from Patrick Mahomes in the biggest moments than I do. Uh, Jalen Hurts and the Eagles for me I think they're a great team but I kind of look at their schedule and they've beaten up on a lot of pretty bad teams and a lot of pretty bad quarterbacks so I think this will be the best team that they'll face all season long and I think when the Vegas Vegas is expecting a very close game close spread and I just think in the fourth quarter when it's a close game I trust Patrick Holmes to go on a game-winning drive just a little bit more than I trust Jalen Hurts even though I do believe Jalen Hurts uh, one of the best quarterbacks in the league is MVP, uh, MVP, cal- MVP caliber season, but I'm not sure if he can lead a drive uh, if they're down by four points with seven minutes left. So I'm going to go with the, the Kansas City Chiefs. I am a little worried that the last time they were in the Super Bowl, they kind of got killed by the Bucks. So they're definitely, even though they have the experience of winning a Super Bowl, they also have you know one Super Bowl appearance where they didn't really show up. So I'm going to go with the Chiefs, but I do expect it to be a pretty close game.
0: Yeah, and I'm uh, I'm taking the Eagles in this one. I'm taking the opposite side as you. I I it's hard to disagree with the strength of schedule argument, and I know Eagles fans don't really like to hear that, but it, it's the truth. Um, they just the opponents just haven't they haven't been great. And if you go through like their best opponents, they they haven't had I guess the type of schedule. But um, I guess with Jalen Hurts in the lineup, all they've done is get the job done and. I don't know. It's for me, I think they're a much more complete roster, much more complete team. I think they have better weapons. Uh, I think Mahomes is the better quarterback. I think he's the best player in the league. Uh, So it's hard for me to argue with that. Um, I do, but I mean, Hertz was the MVP front runner before he went down. I, I think a lot of people have been discounting Hertz and his ability. uh, The last few weeks, I guess ever since he got hurt pretty much, it's the narratives kind of shifted to Jalen Hertz is, most people are arguing but when he was out the team I mean they they lost Dallas to lost New Orleans who was horrendous when he was out and uh, they weren't putting up the points they put up uh, with him in the lineup uh, so I I don't really buy the idea that hurts uh, is kind of carried by the system or just a pro, uh, I guess a product of uh, what's around him. although I will say I do think, like, I, I think the Eagles have the best wide receiver doing in the league. I think Goddard's a great player. Um, the O-line is great. I do have questions about the run game, but I think they have a better run game than the Chiefs. Um, and I think that matters in the Super Bowl and just in playoff football in general. I think they're going to have a much easier time, I guess, establishing the run than a team that feeds Isaiah Pacheco and Jarek McKinnon's corpse, I guess. Uh, and then better, too, especially the front seven. Like I said, in terms of running the ball and – Even if the Chiefs go up in this game, I I think Mahomes through the air is if they have a better chance of killing clock and moving the ball than they do trying to run in this Eagles front seven uh, with their current O-line and their current uh, running back room. So I'm taking the Eagles just because I think – I just think it's a better all-around team. And, yeah, I, I think Mahomes doesn't have the help that Jalen Hurts has, and I think Hurts is an elite quarterback and is kind of getting underrated a bit.
1: Yeah, I can't, I can't argue with that. I think that the Eagles definitely have a lot more around Jalen Hurts than that she used to around Patrick Mahomes. I'm looking at going back to this Eagles schedule, and I just I think you can make the argument that Jared Goff was the best quarterback that they played this year. That was week one they played the Lions, and they beat the Lions, but the Lions were a way better team at the end of the season. I guess maybe Trevor Lawrence, but they played Jags week four, and the Jags were a way better team at the end of the season. Uh, they beat the Steelers in week 7 and the Steelers were a way better team at the end of the season I guess career wise Aaron Rodgers would be the best quarterback that they've played this year but week 12 the Packers weren't really as good as they were in week 17 and 18 so I don't see very many good quarterbacks uh, on this list that they've faced and then there was one time and most of these wins are kind of wire to wire and that's just not probably not going to be the case on Sunday but there was one drive, I'll have to get, I'll, I'll point it out, in a week. Let's see, what week is this? Week 11, the Eagles are playing at the Colts. I think it was Jeff Saturday's second or third game. And the Colts went up 16-10 to with 4.57 left. And Jalen Hurts went on 11-play, 75-yard drive. There was uh, 39 yards with pass interference, that was called. Uh, but either way, that was like a legit game-winning drive. And the Eagles scored with, I think there was a minute or so left in the game to go up by one point. So that's like the only time that Jalen Hurts has gone on a game winning drive this year. That was at the Colts, week eleven. And as for the as for the Chiefs, I think their defense might be a little underrated. I'm looking if you look at all their scores this year, they've only given up more than thirty points one time. That was against Tampa Bay in week four and they won that game forty one thirty one. Uh so I think if they can hold the eagles to under under 30 points which their playoff which the eagles have scored more than 30 points in their last two playoff games i think that'd be give kansas city a good chance to win and then lastly on the eagles i will say uh they reminded me of the prime patriots when they played the giants in the divisional round of the playoffs where they had a home playoff game after a bye week and they just absolutely killed a mediocre giants team that's what the patriots used to do for better part of 10 15 20 years so i think i will say yeah i got flashbacks of prime patriots when they were playing against the giants you know the giants winning a playoff game everyone kind of thinking they're on the come up and then the eagles kind of show them you know there's different levels to this so should be interesting but yeah i think the eagles the best quarterback the eagles have played this year has been jared goff and i think on sunday they're gonna see a much better quarterback than jared goff yeah i uh
0: I, I, it's it's tough to bet it pick against Mahomes, but I the Eagles also, I know they haven't played great teams, but it does kind of feel like their year, I guess you could say. Every time Hertz has been in the lineup, that team just, I don't know. I think Sirani, Siriani, however you say his name, like a lot of people don't like him too much. It's just NFC East fans, um, I think he's kind of obnoxious personality-wise, but I think the Eagles kind of have a confidence and a swagger about them. This year, that it, it does remind me a bit of the Bengals last year, and I know it wasn't as an out of nowhere thing. Like a lot of people had the Eagles as a pretty good team this year, um, maybe not this good, but uh, I I kind of like the swagger that they're coming. In. And obviously, the Bengals didn't win last year, but I think this team is a bit more complete um, outside of the court uh, compared to last year's Bengals. Um, I don't know. I, it, it, I I get good vibes with this Eagles team. I get a cockiness and a confidence that they're gonna come into the Super Bowl and not play afraid and uh even if they go down, I, I guess we haven't seen them in that in a in a situation like that yet, but I don't know. I, I like what hurts and I like what Sirianni have brought to the table so far with this team. I think they use their guys well too. They they don't like they're not messing around like they'll have a couple of elite weapons and they'll just be force feeding somebody like Quez Watkins for no reason. Um Sometimes that frustrates me when I watch teams with such elite talents and you're like, why are you throwing a – the Bengals have this, like, little slot receiver guy with, with lettuce and you just – I have no idea why he ever touches the field or gets the ball, but it seems like he gets five targets a game for no reason. um, And that drives me nuts because it's just – there's just no reason to throw to guys like that. And it, I feel like the Eagles do a good job of just funneling every single touch they have to – one of their top guys, whether whether that be Devonte Smith, AJ Brown, Dallas Goddard, or they let her, or whoever, but they they utilize all their guys well. They're pretty versatile offense. There's not really one thing that they can't do well. I don't think so. Um, that's what I like about the Eagles. And I don't know. I you have any you have any players that you think are going to come out of nowhere? I guess, or do you have an MVP pick or
1: uh, anything that you're looking for in the Super Bowl? Uh. I mean, you have to give me a second to, to look that up, but I was more going off of what you said about the uh, Eagles' swagger. I did love the quote from uh, Nick Sirianni after the divisional round game against the uh, Giants, where he said, "To have him out there, Jalen. He's talking about Jalen Hurts. Is like, and I know this is high praise, but to have him out there is like having. I shouldn't even go there. It's like having Michael Jordan out there. So I like the. I mean, Jalen Hurts hasn't won anything yet, but I do like the comparison to Michael Jordan. I think that shows the confidence that the coach has in the quarterback and the team has in the quarterback. So yeah, the Eagles definitely will be expecting to win the game, definitely coming out with that confidence. Uh, They won't be intimidated by the chiefs, even though the chiefs have a little more experience, but I think that kind of comparison shows kind of where the Eagles are at. If If you're comparing your franchise quarterback who has two playoff wins to Michael Jordan, I think that's, I think that says a lot about the Eagles mentality.
0: Yeah, I, I I just like that. I like that level of cockiness because they backed it up all year. So it's I can't really hate them for it yet, uh, unless they come up short. But um, yeah, I just like what the Eagles are doing. And uh, I guess going off my own question, I I do have a couple guys that I'm looking out for in this game uh, that I think might have like kind of come out of nowhere game. Well, I got two guys. Uh, they're both in the Chiefs, and I count, counterintuitive, but. I have a different argument from each. I don't think they're both going to have a good game. I think it will be one or the other. Um, my first pick is Kadarius Tony. I think – genuinely believe watching the Chiefs this year and in the playoffs, when that guy lines up in the backfield, he's like their most dynamic backfield player and backfield talent with the ball in his hands. I I think if he put on 15 pounds and went into the next offseason as a running back, he'd come out and be an elite third back at the very least. Like, I – I think he's just insane and extremely hard to tackle. And we've seen the Chiefs use him a little bit like that in, in difference of throwing screens to him, uh, giving him handoffs in the red right zone type stuff. Uh, he's gone some targets downfield that he's done some stuff with. He can't really stay healthy. And that's my only worry about this pick is that he missed the last week of practice, but he came back yesterday. So he's practicing all week this week, but he missed last week. Uh, week for the practice, but. He, I think, is – I mean, I think he might be the chief's most talented weapon outside of Kelsey, uh, who you like to think the Eagles will probably hone in on a bit uh, and, I guess, try to prevent him from beating them. Um, and then my other – I guess on the offset of this is Kadarius Tony and Juju Smith-Schuster missed the last week and a half of practice. Uh, I know I picked Tony to be, like, I guess, my dark horse breakout guy. Like, you occasionally see in Super Bowls, like that Seahawks way back 2015 or whatever. Um, but I think uh, MVS, Marquez, Valdes Scandling, I think being the only healthy receiver pretty much at practice this week. Um, I don't know. I think maybe Andy's drawn up some plays for him in practice. He was, had a pretty good game last week. Uh, I think he went over 100 yards, so uh i i don't know i think MVS down the field i i don't Darius Slay is not the youngest guy in the league and um i think if you're going to beat the eagles defense the secondary is probably the way to do it uh so chuck it deep to MVS and i think Pat Mahomes is going to hold nothing back the guy's best player in the league absolute gunslinger so uh if MVS catches a touchdown or two uh wouldn't surprise wouldn't surprise me at all i guess but yeah Kadarius Tony i think is kind of my pick for guy who could have a blow-up game up, same same Super Bowl MVP as Chad, I would like to consider that a pretty good dark horse. Uh, I want to call him an MVP pick, but uh, I don't know. Unsung hero, I guess, of the Super Bowl. Uh,
1: Uh, But yeah. Yeah, I don't really have uh, anyone coming out of nowhere. I guess I'm going to go with uh, Devontae Smith to score two touchdowns, even though I think the... Chiefs are going to win. I don't think they're going to stifle the Eagles. I think it'll be a pretty high-scoring game. So I'm going to go with Devontae Smith to uh, score two touchdowns, and that Fanduel has that at plus 1000, so that's ten to ten to one odds. So I'll go with that, and then I think it's going to be a back-and-forth game. So I think a lot of every a lot of props. There's a uh, like no team to score three times unanswered. So I'll go with that too, and that's usually plus money. I think it's usually favored towards team scoring three times in a row. So I'm going to go with. Devonte Smith to score, uh, two-plus touchdowns. Uh, I think that's maybe the bad, best odds, even though Travis Kelsey probably has a good chance to do that too. But if you look at the odds, I think Devontae Smith has pretty good value to get two-plus touchdowns. And then I'm going to go with pretty back-and-forth game, so I'm going to go with no team to score uh, three times in a row, and that's usually at plus money. Those are my two that I like.
0: Yeah, I uh... – I guess I have an MVP pick, and it's kind of going off what you just said. Um, outside of the QBs, I, the QB, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and pick a QB to win enter bowling. um But I think Devonta Smith, like, he's one of my favorite players in the league. Uh, he's one of my favorite players when he was in college. The guy's a proven big-game player going back to Alabama. Uh, and he is – so A.J. Brown is plus 1,800 to win MVP. Devonta Smith is plus 3,000 to win MVP and the, there there hasn't been any separation between the two as a 1a or a 1b since week two i believe it's been i think devontae smith actually since week one uh, might have more catches more yards um and the guy is just he's a killer and i guess if you consider aj brown better slightly better whatever then you'd like to think that the chiefs will put their number one guy on him maybe or focus a little bit more on him and all the things up more for smith so i I think Smith is just good value, and he also is of all like the top offensive players. Which realistically, I mean, a defensive player is not going to win MVP in 2023, especially. I don't think in this matchup it just doesn't. It seems like it's going to be decently high scoring for a Super Bowl, um, and I don't know. It's it's pretty hard for running backs to win nowadays too. I mean, Damien Williams when the Chiefs won a few years ago, that uh, that guy got robbed of Super Bowl MVP. Like I. It's just I, I think wide receivers have the best chance to win outside of QB. So Devontae Smith being below Miles Sanders, being below A.J. Brown, uh, I think makes him a great value. So if I were, if I were betting on Super Bowl MVP, I definitely I think he's probably the best value on the board.
1: Yeah, I would agree with uh, going with the wide receiver. If you're not going to go with the quarterback. Uh, Cooper Cup won Super Bowl MVP last year. Julian Ellman won it four years ago. And yeah, the running back hasn't won Super Bowl MVP since. And I'm scrolling. uh, Emmitt Smith and oh, the Roman numerals are killing me. I think that's Super Bowl 28. XXV. I I I yeah, Super Bowl 28 for Dallas. He had 30 carries, 132 yards, two touchdowns. Those days, those days are kind of over. So yeah, I think with my Chiefs pick, Patrick Mahomes is definitely gonna. It's kind of hard to envision the Chiefs winning without Patrick Mahomes being. Super Bowl MVP, especially with uh, kind of the injury narrative as well. I mean, I guess Travis Kelsey could be Super Bowl MVP, but usually like some of those catches that Kelsey has is when Mahomes is scrambling and making an amazing play. So people are going to remember Mahomes more for those plays rather than uh, Travis Kelsey. And then a big reason why they beat the Bengals was Chris Jones and his pass rush, but I don't know. Chris Jones would have to have two strip sack recoveries for touchdowns to win Super Bowl MVP. So that's not yeah, that's probably not going to happen. So Uh, Super Bowl MVP, I can't remember the last time. I don't even know if it's ever gone to a player on the losing team. So for me, it's kind of boring, but Patrick Mahomes has to be. uh, My Super Bowl MVP, though, I do like if the Eagles win. I do like the Devontae Smith pick because Jalen Hurts has been playing as well. and I guess uh, he's been playing well, but you can definitely see him kind of having a little bit of an off game. uh, And Devontae Smith still doing well. And the narrative around Jalen Hurts isn't really the same as around Patrick Mahomes. So I'm going to go with Patrick Mahomes to win Super Bowl MVP. But, yeah, it's really hard to find a Chiefs sleeper and really hard to find a, a way that the Chiefs win without him having a great game.
0: Yeah, and also, I, kind of a weird tidbit, but Mahomes – so in the, the Super Bowl that they won against the uh, Super Bowl, and also 54 or whatever, uh, against the 49ers, Mahomes – Threw for two touchdowns. He didn't complete a lot of, like, his completion percentage wasn't great. Uh, only threw for 280 yards. He ran for a touchdown and threw for two touchdowns, uh, although one was a screen pass to Damian Williams, I believe. He threw two picks. And then, obviously, in the Super Bowl against the Bucks, I think he threw two picks, no touchdowns, only 270 mm-hmm. yards. Like, his career Super Bowl stats are actually – I'm not a huge, like, judge – people say that – you know, his Super Bowl against the Bucs is, like, one of the greatest losing performances by a QB ever because he threw a pass sidearm on the ground. <laughs> like, I I think that's a little bit overhyped. Um, but in his career in the Super Bowl, uh, 57% completion percentage. Oh, this is averaged over his two Super Bowls. 278 yards per game, uh, one touchdown per game, two interceptions per game, and three and a half sacks per game. Like, it, it's – it hasn't been great stuff for Mahomes uh, in this role, at least numbers wise. Uh, and he won the Super Bowl MVP against the 49ers, but Damian Williams got completely robbed there. But like we said, running backs just don't win Super Bowl MVP. Um, I I don't know. I I'm I, I think the Mahomes, like there's people on Twitter this week that are calling Mahomes the goat and stuff like that. Like the, the greatest quarterback we've ever seen, which is like maybe most naturally gifted and – the way he plays is like pretty stunning to watch. Sometimes it's nobody's ever done what he does, but you can't argue with that. But the guy hasn't really had like a, I guess a, a legacy Super Bowl. That first Super Bowl win obviously was great. I think he might have been the youngest Super Bowl MVP you know, since Big Ben or something. Uh, but he, I don't know. I'm. It, it hasn't been like he's been putting the team on his back and. Throwing for 400 yards and four touchdowns in a Super Bowl and like legacy moment, like so I don't know. I the, the Superman Mahomes thing just hasn't carried over to this game. Uh, and this Eagles defense is legit, I think. And these weapons are worse than he's ever had in his career, um, and I don't think that's really up for debate. Kelsey, as great as he is, he these playoffs like, in the last I'd say last quarter of the season, the playoffs hasn't been dominating the way he was for the first 12-ish games of the of the season also and I mean Kadarius Tony I think is his most electric weapon outside of Kelsey. so uh, as much as I was hyping up earlier Kadarius Tony's probably a wide receiver or I guess option number five on the uh, on the Eagles uh, so I, I don't know i I am a little worried about Mahomes on uh, this one if it's another bad performance if he has a dud so he throws two picks again, only one touchdown or something, and they lose. Then I think people start to question Super Bowl Patrick Mahomes because then he's 1-2 with back-to-back pretty rough performances, at least checking the box score. But
1: uh, I don't know. Yeah, I think – I don't know. I'm not too worried about Patrick Mahomes after what I have seen in the playoffs this year. But I guess we'll see. You make some some, some good points there, but – he also has a lot of time on his side, so I think this won't be the last time he'll be playing in a Super Bowl. Yeah, no, certainly not. He's he's too talented, too great of a player. I don't want to discount
0: Mahomes at all, but I mean the goat talk and all that crap is severely premature. I would say. Um. Yeah. Anything else in the Super Bowl? Uh,
1: no. I did look up. I think if the if the Bengals were favored last week, then Patrick Holmes is. Six and three straight up when he's been an underdog. I don't know who was favorite in that game, but he was five and three before the Bengals game. I think it was a close spread. And then he's six, one, and one against the spread as, as an underdog, and he's an underdog this week. So I think Mahomes has a pretty good record uh, when Vegas has been doubting him.
0: got to respect that. Um, yeah, I have nothing else to add. So uh, you want to talk uh, some college football coaching carousel?
1: Yeah, so out of nowhere, uh, Alabama throws. I think I saw on Twitter like two million at Tommy Reese, uh, the Notre Dame offensive coordinator, become Alabama's offensive coordinator. And I just don't understand uh, what Coach Saban is doing on this one. I mean, Tommy Reese been watching Notre Dame the last few years, and it's just not been not been a pretty sight on offense. And they and Notre Dame's had some decent had some decent talent, but if you go off of last year. First game of the season, Notre Dame could not move the ball at all against Ohio State. They had, like, one play in the first quarter that went for a bunch of yards. Uh, One drive in the second quarter. They scored, like, ten points. And then Notre Dame was struggling last year to move the ball against Stanford and Marshall and Cal. And it was just – it was really bad. And I was watching Notre Dame's offense last year through the lens of a high school football player. And if I'm a high school football player, why on earth would I want to join that offense? I mean, maybe if I'm a running back, I would get fed on every single play. Maybe if I'm a tight end, I would get thrown a few five-yard passes where I could just have a run after the catch. But if I'm a wide receiver, I'm definitely not joining that offense. That was, I don't know, very unattractive offense. I think there was one game against Syracuse, Notre Dame came out and ran fullback dive with their running back in the first two plays of the game. It's just, I'm not, I'm not sure what Coach Saban's going for. I think his last few offenses have been you know, pretty much spread offenses with Bryce Young, and that's not really what time Reese has run. At Notre Dame, and then also for Tommy, I'm not sure who Alabama's quarterback's going to be next year. I think the backup that came in for Bryce Young this year really wasn't all that great. I'm sure they have a few freshmen coming in. I'm not sure how uh, experienced or not experienced. Not sure how, if the, how how ready they are for college for SEC football. I don't think they signed like a top five star recruit, and then they didn't really bring anybody in in the transfer portal. So I'm not really sure even if Tommy Reese is going to get a quarterback upgrade when he goes to Alabama. So. I don't know, and all I know is that Alabama—it's a little bit different than Notre Dame. I mean, they're pretty much running Bill O'Brien out of town. Uh, so, I think Tommy Reese is going to drive Alabama fans nuts, and yeah, I'm not—I'm not sure what Coach Saban's looking at here on this one.
0: Yeah, I—I I mean, I think, and the, the thing about it, Alabama drove Bill O'Brien out of town. They had the number five scoring offense in the country this year, in the SEC. i mean. Like, it's not like they had a bad offense that wasn't scoring points is the crazy thing. Um, but the Tommy Reese thing, it's just, I mean, I think me and you've texted about this a million times. You see it all over Twitter and the ND fan base as a whole outside of a couple people and Tommy's old buddies from college uh, that defend him endlessly. <laughs> it's, it's one of the most frustrating offenses I've ever watched, I think. Uh, it's you run like draw plays out of shotgun over and over again with running backs that probably are more downhill runners than what you're putting them in the situation. Uh, what situation they're giving, You're giving them. It's I, I don't know. It's and you don't throw wide receivers like you said. There's nothing to the outside. There's there's no development of talent out there either. I mean, some really high highly rated recruits that are coming in uh, for ND receiver that. They're just underutilized. They're not getting any better. Um, and they're getting passed up for fifth years that probably have no business starting for a program that uh, should be competing in the top five to ten in the, of the country every single year. So, I don't know. It's And like you said, like, Michael Mayer is a great, great, great talent, in my opinion. One of the best – like, watching him when he was a freshman was – you. he looked like a guy that was ready to go out of high school it seemed like um, and he was great his entire career at ND but I mean Tommy kind of wasted him it was just five yard outs over and over and over again or little slants and stuff over the middle and like drag routes which is great because he's such a big guy and he had good yak I guess and um, make guys miss and make things happen underneath uh, for a end that was pretty impressive to see. But like that guy never really getting utilized downfield is absurd to me and it was. it's just frustrating that you use him as like a little, I, like a dump-off guy almost. It, I don't know. And I get that he's on a wide receiver and it's not like he has four or three wheels or something, but tight ends that get used downfield, like you see Kelsey and Gronk catch these passes over the seam all the time. And if he's the college football version of those guys, I don't understand why we can never hit him over the seam, over the middle for a 30-yard gain ever, not even against Marshall. And that's the other thing too, is like you said, Tommy was horrendous in some of these I mean, the offense was so, so bad against Stanford and wasn't much better against Marshall. And even in the Ohio State game, I get that it's Ohio State, but it's not like Ohio State is like some vaunted defense this season. Uh, and there was an opportunity there was opportunities to put points on the board and just didn't make it happen. So I thought Tommy should have been fired after that <laughs> Stanford game. Somehow, he keeps his job throughout the season and turns it into a job probably the most highly respected program in the entire country. So, I, I don't
1: know.
0: I mean, I have some things to say about Nick after this, to be honest.
1: Yeah, I mean, oh, I was going to say, no. Tommy would be dumb to turn that job down. I think it's a great – Alabama is a great stepping stone for him. But, oh, I was going to say something. I completely forgot. I, was gonna, I lost my train of thought. Um. Oh, no. I completely lost it. Uh, oh, if Tommy... Also, Tommy... If Tommy wasn't 30 years old, he would not be... Oh, and I got my train of thought back. But anyway, if Tommy was not 30 years old, he would not be in consideration for this job. So the best part about Tommy's resume is his age, which is 30, which is... <laughs> that's, that's the best part about his job. But no, there's a lot of Notre Dame fans on Twitter that are like, oh, what are we going to do without Tommy? And oh, what are these recruits? Are we going to lose all these recruits because of Tommy? And it's like, literally, this is the name of the game. Like, every single school loses their offensive coordinator. Like, you're not in football. You're not going to – coordinators get promoted to other jobs and go to the NFL. Like, you're not going to keep your coordinator for 15 years. Like, it's the offensive coordinator position. You're going to see change on it year over year. That's every single program in America, basically. So, I don't know. If you're afraid of losing your offensive coordinator, then I think you might be kind of soft as a fan. Like, you got to build your program so that – if an offensive coordinator leads, you're not screwed. I don't know. I just, and I don't think Notre is screwed at all. I think the recruiting, the recruiting will be fine. Probably will improve, and the offensive style will probably improve. Uh, and maybe we'll throw the ball a bit more down the field, and maybe not run HB dive every other play. Uh, slow HB dive. So yeah, I just think the fans are completely overreacting uh, to losing Tommy Reese, and because every single coordinator job in college football is poachable. Like, you're not going to – no one ties down their offensive coordinators for seven years. That's just not the way it works.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. And that's the other thing, too. The the age part is the great point because that is really – it's all young offensive behind or something. I I do not get why Tommy Reese is a highly touted, I guess, candidate for jobs. He never should have gotten this job in the first place, to be honest. It almost seemed like they gave it to him because they – Ran out of guys to hide it. Brian Kelly got lazy or something. Um, it, it almost felt like an interim job, and then he kind of just stuck around, and then stuck around when Kelly left, and gave this whole speech about loyalty and how he loves this place and the later of Because you got to take the Alabama job, but I I don't know. It was a little bit fraudulent, I would say, uh, when just one year prior he was giving this whole speech about how he wants to be an ND and build something. I don't know, whatever. Um, and then on the other, the flip side of things, Nick Saban. That is a guy who, in my opinion, no longer the best coach in college football. And this solidifies it for me. Give me Kirby Smart any day of the week, 10 times out of 10 at this point. Kirby Smart would never hire Tommy Reese to run his offense. <laughs> uh, Nick Saban may have lost his fastball. This could 1,000% blow up in my face. But I, I think Nick Saban's lost his way. I don't. I mean, we're playing air raid nowadays with like midget QBs, and you people are like, "Oh, Tommy, Tommy Reese is run heavy." No, he's not like Alabama used to be. Tommy Reese runs shotgun draw plays over and over again. They're slow developing, and they're designed for I don't even know like Chris Tyree. I guess, but Chris Tyree didn't really get used. Um He doesn't design run plays for Alabama running backs. He he designed run plays for small little I guess scat backs almost. Uh but we have big guys running those plays. So it's he just misused his talent. He doesn't know how to utilize his players correctly. Uh he doesn't know how to develop quarterbacks. He doesn't know how to develop wide receivers. And I, I genuinely don't know what Nick Saban's doing. It, it, Tommy Reese also isn't it's not like the guy's a rock star recruiter. Like, I mean the guy couldn't figure out how to bring in a quarterback. It, three years to get a quarterback and it was a grad transfer. And as soon as the grad transfer showed up, he left. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know what we're doing here. The guy can't recruit. He can't coach. He can't develop talent. And Nick Saban giving him this job is, I, it's, it seems like, I, I don't know. I don't know what to say. Nick Saban. I, it's just disappointing to see because the guy's the greatest coach of all time probably, but think, I don't know, losing his fastball a bit. It's like it's like Belichick hiring Patricia last
1: year. Bonehead move. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what Alabama's offense puts on the field. I mean, they're losing they're losing a lot. Their quarterback was pretty much their whole team last year. Uh, Jameer Gibbs, their running back, was pretty much their whole backfield last year. And they didn't really have very many wide rec- good wide receivers on the field either. There weren't any Devontae Smiths or uh, Jerry Judys or Henry Ruggs or Jalen Waddles on the field last year. They didn't really have – any of those guys kind of coming through. Uh, statement, I agree, has lost his fastball. They do have the number one recruiting class uh, this year, though. Now, uh, there's a five star running back, Tommy can work with as a freshman and a five star receiver. And then most of the guys are on defense, but yeah, it's not going to be Alabama probably will have more talent to work with than he had at Notre Dame, but he doesn't have the generational quarterbacks or the generational receivers that they've had over the years. So it'll be interesting to see, uh, how Tommy does, but moving on to a different Tommy.
0: Yeah. Let's move on to uh, Tom Brady who uh, just retired last week. I think it was now. Um, I I was personally hoping turn probably not on the bucks, uh, but I will say after he retires, my personal thoughts on her, I'm kind of glad that I don't have to see him on a third team uh, as a Patriots fan. And uh, hearing him and Belichick, they went on each other's. Or Belichick went on Brady's podcast this week. They had a lot of great things to say about each other, and Brady was getting emotional. And uh, Patriots fan, honestly, I think it's selfishly better for me. He's since he's like we've reclaimed it. I guess you could say, as a patriot, uh, there's not a lot of like Brady. Bucs legend crap going on right now. It's a lot. It's very much Patriots related. He's hanging out with Edelman and Gronk and all that stuff. So I uh, and I've been reliving, I guess, uh, a lot of great memories, watching highlights and replays of games that have been on uh, ESPN, NFL Network all week, and on Twitter and everything. Uh, so yeah, I'm I am sad that I don't get to see Tom Brady anymore. Uh, I guess we already went through the retirement thing last year with him before coming back, uh, but this time from to me, at least, I think he's permanent. I don't think he's coming back. But, yeah, I don't know. What are your thoughts on Brady hanging him up?
1: Yeah, I would like to see Tom come back. But when you go through the teams, there's no, like, legit – or not one, like uh, – yeah, there's not one obvious team that he could go to that would put them over the top to win a Super Bowl. So, I don't think there's very many obvious options. But for me, Tom is the uh, probably the undisputed GOAT. I think – I'm not a, I'm not as a diehard Patriots fans as – most uh, that we know, so I do kind of look at Tom through more of a non-biased lens, but I still think he's clearly the GOAT. And one of the things that I love most about Tom during his New England days was the uh, just his attitude in the press conferences. It was always about the team, always about looking forward to the next game, always respecting the opponent, those types of just generic answers where you give absolutely nothing away. But I think that's kind of just the best way to go. Uh, you always have the occasional team in the playoffs trash-talking, and then Tom will beat him by Few touchdowns so I think I think just the professionalism on and off the field something that I definitely uh, admired about Tom and I just think uh, yeah throughout his whole career he's pretty much been a model athlete Uh, throughout and people kind of calling him out for this or that I just think it's most of it's usually a stretch I think every athlete should strive to conduct themselves in the manner that Tom has but one of the things I found most interesting about his career and You know, the last few years, he's won four Super Bowls. I think four Super Bowls in the last uh, nine seasons. There's there's a four- and a seven-year span. So the narrative around Tom and the Patriots was that they would always win, and Tom was always winning, and Tom was always in the Super Bowl, which is true. But I think what's really impressive, there was a nine-year span where they did nine seasons in a row where the Patriots did not win anything. Like, that's kind of hard to fathom. Like, the narrative around Tom is that he always won, and he pretty much did always win. But can you think of a nine- can you imagine nine-year span from 2005 to 2013 where they just they did not win? Like if that kind of carried on, like how the different how the narrative would be just a little bit different. So Tom kind of solidified himself as the goat with his back nine performances in his mid to late 30s, which is kind of impressive. But yeah, there was I guess in his prime years, 2005 to 2013, it's his prime prime age. I guess he's still playing at a very high level after that. But in his prime ages, ages I don't know, call it 25 to 33. No Super Bowls. I thought that was very impressive. That three to start his career, and then nine in nine years of winning, they always won. Always winning divisions, always getting to the playoffs, but no Super Bowls. I think that's kind of very interesting how we kind of turn the narrative around. Because if if in 2014 they lose to the Seahawks, like then the clock kind of keeps t- keeps ticking for him to get to Montana's four. So yeah, I thought that was very interesting how Tom started his career off winning three, then not winning for 10 years, and then winning four at the end. Yeah, no it's definitely and
0: I I have a lot to say about Brady that I'm not gonna talk and ramble for three hours about but one thing too that I find interesting about Brady is football I think compared to every other sport has evolved an insane amount I think like each decade you go through it it changes so drastically um, decade to decade or whatever you want to say era to era like it's and Brady I mean the guy his first season was uh, as a starter, it was 01, and he the game to his in 2023 changed a passing yardage and just how offensive the talent and the speed and everything like that. It is crazy how much it changed. And it's also, I think like underrated, insanely impressive thing was that in his 40s he was able to continue to adapt and keep up with. New modern game at as a 45 year old who couldn't move uh, when he was 23, never mind 45. Still able to keep up, and like, I mean, last season when he was 44, he threw for like 53 yards and 40 touchdowns or something like it. And he didn't want MVP, probably should have, and that is just absurd. And I think I don't know if any quarterback or any player, I get the idea that as. And equipment and everything will change, they'll probably their careers, but he, I think, has like a Gretzky, I guess, um, to me at least, type, like untouchable status right now. Uh, whereas in basketball, like, he really doesn't have that um, because it, people think 50% of basketball and sports fans would probably say LeBron's the goat or someone else is the goat. Uh, and there is always like the Brady detractors, like you say, but. Like, those wins records and playoff stats and stuff, like, those are, in my opinion, so untouchable. I don't – Mahomes – like, I saw somebody do something today, like, if Mahomes – or recently was, like, Mahomes – for what Mahomes would have to do to catch Brady in a lot of those numbers is – it's not really fathomable because Brady – like, it's it, – I, I don't think we're ever going to see anything like it again. Um, and I don't think people are going to fully appreciate that until – Maybe Mahomes is on his back now, uh, and especially because nowadays, too, even though it is a new game, UBs definitely rely a bit more on their, I guess, athletic ability and how far they can throw and how they move. And I don't know if they'll be able to play as long as Tom, who the guy was just an absolute surgeon in the pocket from the time he entered the league uh, pretty much until he was 45, and that doesn't really go away. Um, so I, it'll be interesting to see how guys like – Mahomes and Burrow, and whoever else, uh, Allen, Herbert, like those guys, I don't, I just don't see them having the same longevity as him. And I think a lot of those records that Tom set are more untouchable than people think. Because um, I don't think they get looked at in the untouchable manner that like Gretzky's records do, or, um, you know, like even Barry Bonds, I get that he was on Royds, but like they're, I don't know. I, do, I think Brady is going to, He's in a class of his own, in my opinion. I think it's going to be that way for a long, long time.
1: Yeah, I'd agree. And then this year, this year he's forty five, and by all accounts, he had a down year and didn't didn't have a good year. And I'd agree, didn't have a good year. But in his didn't having a good year in his down year at age forty five, he threw for four thousand seven hundred yards, twenty five touchdowns, and nine interceptions. I mean, if that's your down year at age forty five, I think that's a that's a pretty good down year. Four thousand seven hundred yards, twenty-five touchdowns, and nine interceptions. And that's the thing. Like, I, I don't.
0: At age forty-five, I don't think he's going out because he has to. I, like, I, like, I think, like, everyone's, like, the whole father time is undefeated thing. Like, I, like, he's forty-five, and I, I really think that he could keep going if he wanted to. Um, and there's not really a good fit for him right now to make it worth playing, but. Like hypothetically speaking, to a of lower retires from the NFL tomorrow because of concussions. You're telling me you don't think Tom could go win 14 games with that Dolphins team? I think he a thousand percent could, and I think he could throw for 5,000 to 35 or something again with receivers. And yeah, I, I he obviously is not the player he was even three years ago. I don't think he's going out because he has nothing left in the tank. Like, the guy can still play. And that's – that is absurd to think about because nobody – forty has ever even been able to throw the ball. Like, when Peyton Manning was 40, the guy – the guy couldn't get the ball past the line of scrimmage. It was <laughs> pretty hard to watch. And he won a Super Bowl like that. So, I think you make the argument that Tom Brady can still be playing Super Bowl in Super Bowls five years from now if he really wanted to. Like, it's – it's a joke to think about how ridiculous and the longevity there. It's it's crazy. Like I, it's hard to comprehend almost. But it's and I and I don't think I mean everyone he's a consensus goat and everyone loves Brady nowadays. It seems like and the narrative is changing and I think people appreciate him. But I don't think people like fully grasp how ridiculous he is. Um, and I think maybe like five ten years from now a lot of people that maybe haven't come around to that yet will start coming around and realize like crap, like what we saw in that guy, we'll never, we'll never see again.
1: Yeah. I'd agree with that. Um, We'll move on to the uh, quick few NBA words.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We got to, we got to talk a little NBA here. There's been some, some major hashtag this
1: league type trades going down. So uh, you, you get us started. So, I think the the big one's Kyrie Irving to the Dallas Mavericks. I wanted to see Kyrie go to the Lakers so that they could still get bounced out. Probably in the play-in round with him. I think that would be – I, w- I would have loved to see Twitter get hyped up for LeBron and Kyrie to get back together and then for them to, pro- yeah, probably lose in the first round if they even got to the first round. But he's going to the Mavericks. Um, yeah, I don't see – I don't see anything that the Nets got back for Kyrie Irving would have been uh, a good trade for them. So, I think it's a good trade for the Nets and yeah, the Mavericks have Luka Doncic who pretty much shoots the ball. He has the ball in his hands on every single play. And so I don't see how Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving are going to work together. And also neither of them really play any defense. I think Luka pretty much has the ball in his hands every play. So he doesn't really play any defense. Kyrie can't really, he can't guard his chair either. So I don't see how the Mavericks are going to go very far either when they have two guys who can't guard anybody. So they're going to be, they might be okay on offense, not really sure how they're going to play together because you can only play with one basketball at a time. So, yeah, I don't think this really puts the Mavs over the top. I think – I'm not really sure who the Mavs should be targeting because Luka has the ball every single time time they go up the floor. So, I'm not really sure who Mark Cuban needs to go get. So, I guess he just got the biggest name available in Kyrie. So, I guess – I don't know. I guess NBA is a Stars league. So, even though if it doesn't really kind of work in your head or work on paper, the Stars kind of carry the day at the end of the day. So, maybe it'll – Maybe they can win a playoff series, maybe two, but I don't think they're. I don't think this puts the Mavs on a championship level, and I would have liked to have seen. I mean, Kyrie pretty much just goes everywhere and blows up the place, so I think it would have been nice to see him go to the Lakers. Everyone to think that LeBron has another chance to get a ring, and then they lose. So I don't know. That's kind of my my overarching uh, NBA trade deadline take. I uh, I I'm gonna draw a quick comparison here to NBA trade that happened nine
0: years ago. Uh, for the Dallas Mavericks traded uh, role player small forward a couple of draft picks for a head case point guard and Rajon Rondo Uh, and everyone thought that Rondo paired up with their European who doesn't play any defense is going to put them over the top and they're going to go win a ring and, and I think they might have gone a bounce first round and Rondo was a like pouting on the court and I love Rondo, huge Rondo guy Hate to compare him to Kyrie because it's a different type of head case. Um, But this is not the first time Mark Cuban has done something like this. Uh, Maybe you could say Kyrie's on a different level of player. And Rondo's perennial all-star pretty much. I think he made a couple all-star games in a row. Led the league in assists maybe. Uh, He was no slouch. And, uh, yeah, didn't work. And this show, I think I've made it well known that I might be one of the biggest Kyrie on the planet. I think that guy – joke of a competitor and a, a teammate and i i think he's very overrated as a player i think he's flawed and uh he just he doesn't he's, he's probably like what i want to see in a player like that guy is just the total opposite like cool highlights hit one really clutch shot like nine years ago now uh when he was playing on a team with lebron james so congrats on winning that uh, must be nice to be Prime LeBron sidekick, uh, I I just think he's a fraud basically. Um, so I'm gonna say that the Nets won the trade just because they got out of Kyrie, and I don't think they were ever gonna win anything with Kyrie. Maybe on paper they got they're worse basketball team now than they were yesterday or whatever, or a week ago, but I don't I don't think that they were ever coming close to winning a ring with Kyrie. Uh, so I think getting rid of Kyrie and maybe setting up to get rid of Durant uh, and resetting overall gets them closer to a championship than they were when they were locked into Kyrie Irving for X number of years, you know? Um, but yeah, that, I mean, I, I, I've already said everything that I've ever had to say about mm-hmm. Kyrie before on the show, the guy's a joke. So I don't need to go much further than that, but I think the Mavs won the trade and I think the Nets, I think the Nets, I think they both Or no, sorry. I think the Nets won the trade. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I don't I don't really think this puts the Mavs over the top either. Like a, a luka Kyrie team isn't beating the Celtics or whoever they play uh, in seven games. The West is pretty trash, um, but they're not beating they're not beating the Celtics in seven games if that's if that's the uh, eventual finals matchup.
1: Yeah, I don't really have much else to say. I mean, Kyrie, what player demands a trade from a fourth place team in the conference? Like that doesn't. I don't well, know. And he said he he said he felt disrespected. Didn't he
0: refuse to play for like a year and a half? Uh, yeah, yeah he did. So, <laughs> I, yeah, he can feel whatever he wants. I'm sure the Nets owner and the Nets GM and the Nets coach We're like, by it. the way Wait, that guy carries himself and his lack of effort. Like he's an utter joke. He's just not a. I I don't even know what the like describe him like he's just it it's I've never seen a teammate that cares so little about his teammates and winning and trying like I honestly I don't feel bad for him at all but like Durant say what you want about Durant like I, I think that guy wants to win at the end of the day and cares about winning and works hard and is maybe he's not the greatest teammate in the world but it's those are I don't know the NBA has a lot of egos uh like kind of feel a little bit for Durant here like he <laughs> like Kyrie just the last two years have been I mean and you you got to expect a little something when you go into business with that guy but I mean what a joke Kyrie has been uh as a teammate the last couple of years it's it's pretty pathetic so um I don't know I think the Nets won the trade just because I think this gets them somewhat closer a title because I don't think they I think they had a zero chance before trading Kyrie
1: Yeah, I don't feel bad for Durant at all. He's got to know what to expect. I mean, Kyrie, he left LeBron because he supposedly wanted, like, his own team. And then he went to the Celtics, where he pretty much squandered the opportunity to have his own team with, like, two of the brightest young stars in the game. And then he kind of went back to the route of joining the best player in the game and joins Durant. And then he wins, like, one playoff series in four years. And then the Nets, I think he demanded a trade after the Nets got killed by the Celtics, and then the Celtics won by, like, 49 points or something. That was the 10th time in a row the Celtics beat the Nets, so I don't know. Pretty bad for, pretty bad luck for Kyrie. And then, I guess quickly from a Celtics perspective, I mean, I think they're so good they don't really need any pieces. So I think they can win it all as currently constructed. And then I know there's like a few guys' contracts might be up or something, but I wouldn't be trading guys to save money or get like a second-round pick in return for a guy who's going to leave in the summer. You might as well just keep the guy and try and win a championship if your team's that good.
0: Yeah, I have no trade targets for the Celtics, to be honest. I, I mean, I've like, been somewhat loosely following this trade deadline. Uh, and I think Mike Conley before today was like a name that was being thrown around. Maybe not for the Celtics, but just like as a big, a big fish, I guess you could say, in the NBA trade deadline uh, pond. And Mike Conley, I thought for sure that guy was retired, to be completely honest with you. I don't think that guy's been relevant in years. Uh, so I looked at his stats, and he's averaging like 11 points a game on 39% shooting, bunch of assists. But I mean, like Mike Conley is not moving the needle whatsoever for me. The Celtics don't need a guy like that. There's just not. I don't know. I, I bet they'll sign like a vet who gets released. That I, I can't see them doing a whole lot to change up this team. Uh, Jalen Brown out indefinitely after he got hurt tonight. I saw that he like broke his face or something. So that's not great. But. um, yeah, I, I don't even know half the NBA anymore. So I, don't, I have no trade targets for the Celtics. I, I saw Jay Sean Tate from the Rockets. I don't know if you you know Jay Sean Tate well, but uh, Jay Sean Tate might be coming to Boston. That's, that's pretty much all I saw.
1: No, and then uh, that's all I got on the NBA. I want to I end the show quickly with a uh, quick word on Jesse Marsh. Uh, I think American manager for Leeds United just got sacked uh, the other day. I think for for me as a soccer fan in the U.S. and Premier League is my favorite sport. When whenever an American manager gets a chance in England, you kind of follow it a little bit closely. Then a little bit closer than other new managers. So Jesse Marsh last year took over Leeds. I think they were just outside the relegation relegation zone when he took over. His only job basically was to keep the club in the Premier League, and he he did that. It was pretty close club, but they he kept them in the league. And then this year. I think he got sacked uh, like 20 games in. Leeds was like one point above the relegation zone. When you total up his – I think Sky Sports put out a tweet. uh, Jesse Marsh in total for – oh, this is all competitions. But I guess all competitions, Jesse Marsh had 37 games, 11 wins, 10 draws, and 16 losses. So if you add it up, that's 43 points uh, in in 37 games, which is enough to keep – any team in the Premier League. So I don't think Jesse Marsh did a bad job at Leeds, probably could have done a little bit better, but uh, I can see why he got fired because so much money in the Premier League nowadays that if there's any chance that your team goes down, the easiest way to fix it is to just uh, fire the manager and get somebody else in. So I don't know. I think Jesse Marsh probably won't get another job in the Premier League again until he goes to a different foreign country and kind of builds up another team and then maybe in a few years he'll get uh, another chance. He'll obviously be linked to the United States men's national team job, but I think uh, USA should look for a foreign coach of a higher profile before uh, looking at Jesse. But, yeah, I think he had a, did a decent job at Leeds. A little unlucky to get sacked, in my opinion, but that's just the way that uh, the Premier League goes. I mean, you, not many people are getting more than one year at clubs nowadays, so kind of just the name of the game, unlucky for Jesse, but I don't think it was a total disaster for American point of view. Uh I think an American go in there and do a much worse job than uh Jesse Marsh did and I think I think Leeds will probably stay in their Premier League this year. It'll be a pretty close call again like last year, but I think if they kept Jesse Marsh they would have stayed in the league as well. Yeah, and we're running a time here, but really quick I'll add like I think Jesse
0: was set up to fail pretty much. He he replaced the coach that was literally warshipped in Leeds and Marcelo Biel. So like that guy the fans are completely obsessed with him and the team was horrendous last year and he got fired and they were still pissed about it. Um, so he's kind of set up to fail from that perspective. And then on top of that, as an American, I think there's probably a little bit of bias from the English point of view of Americans don't know soccer type thing or football. Um, and then the other thing on the, the national team, the U S national team, believe there's a quote from Jesse Marsh end of last year or before the world cup, maybe saying he doesn't really follow international football and he doesn't really care about it. And he's, he cares more about club football, but he supports all his players um, on whatever club he's coaching uh, when they play internationally. So I, I don't think Jesse's going to go to international football, but uh, yeah, we'll quickly wrap up the show here. Thanks for listening. Uh, be sure to tune in for next episode and follow us on Twitter at biased underscore underscore opinion. Thanks.